0: Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, this is Kevin Wong. Um, Today, I'm finally going to do a podcast on the series Yang Gang. And we're going to talk about the infamous UBI, Universal Basic Income. So um, today, I just kind of want to break it down for you guys piece by piece. And I want to talk about kind of the history behind UBI and, you know, what are some of the, you know, initial thoughts on it or the initial perception from the society or from me, kind of how I came to accepting it and how I will foresee this UBI thing will kind of play out, right? So, UBI stands for Universal Basic Income. Okay. So what that means is that, you know, Andrew Yang, he, you know, branded as uh, um, a freedom dividend. So the basic idea is, okay, um, if you're over 18 years of age, every single month, you're getting $1,000 for sure as a sign of you being an American, having like a blue American passport, pretty much, right? So... Um, this idea is kind of radical in this day and age. And then you know, most of the you know political people, you know, political analysts, kind of laughing it off. They ha Who's who's gonna pay for it, right? So I'm not gonna talk about how Andrew Yang thinks he can pay for it. I will cover that later. But my initial thought was, you know, social Darwin, social Darwinism, right? So, you know, people are supposed to be rich when you work hard. People are supposed to, you know, um, be lazy when they're poor. So there's kind of like a, you know, the survival of the fittest, kind of the richer you are, you must be very hardworking. And, you know, recent like modern, you know, non-neoclassical economics kind of indicates that most people they get rich by getting lucky i'm not saying that you know getting lucky is not you know um being it's not good or bad let's put it that way you know there's always a chinese saying you know is that you know once you have luck you got to be prepared for the luck you got to do dump some preparation for the luck i'm not taking away the hard working aspect of getting lucky in business and then for them to strike rich but you know social social darwinism kind of indicates that that's how normal people think you are poor that means you are lazy right and then most people that reject UBI initially meaning that this will kind of contribute to the laziness of people, of people are not trying to work that hard, like how, are, how do you expect people to go and get a job when people are lazy, where, 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 when people just don't even need to, don't even have to at all, right? And, you know, that's kind of on the negative side of things. On the other hand, the reason that Andrew Yang thinks we do need UBI is because with the advancement of artificial intelligence, there will be job displacement, right? I remember I was in Detroit some, uh, some times ago, you know, they told me 40% of the um, industrialized jobs are actually being replaced by robot arms, right? So they actually fire 40% of the working people that has been working at a factory since they were 18. Some of them, even like 17 and 16, they do it part time way before they lay them up because they can replace it with robots, right? And I'm going to dive into more and more about, you know, different industry, the truckers, you know, he used more than one examples. But, you know, I believe that job displacement, or I should say the AI pessimistic people, right? People that think uh, we should be more cautious around AI think that there will be a massive job disreplacement coming with the advancement of AI. Which I think it may make sense, but somebody that just want to play the devil's advocate on the other side say, hey, whenever there's a new tech, there will always going to be job loss initially to be thinking about, you know, yeah, crap, you know, there's something new technology, you know, this industry is going to get wiped out. But in the end, it kind of creates new jobs, right? Like an example that I can think of is when the ATM machine kind of came into life back in the 1980s. People think that, oh, no, you know, there's going to be no more bank teller. This is the worst thing I, that has ever happened to the, you know, uh, banking industry. Uh, nobody will even go to a bank anymore. They just do it, you know, via the ATM machine. And then why then why do we even need to hire a bank teller? Now? What are, they, are, are those people going people to do, right? But in reality, in the 21st century, there will still be bank teller. there will still be people behind the counter counting money, and there will still be ATM machines, right? So whenever we feel like there's a new technology emerges, we feel like there might be a job loss, but in the end, there's not. But I do like to draw one clear distinction is that artificial intelligence is not like normal technology, right? So... I think what's scary about artificial intelligence is the deep learning aspect, right? So for people that don't know what deep learning is, I'll give you a quick example. So, you know, uh, most people know about AlphaGo, right? It's like a chess AI that's developed by, by uh, Google. The way that they were able to develop the AI named AlphaGo... They teach the AI the rule of the goal, the the goal chess. It's Chinese called Wei Qi, right? So they tell you, hey, you can only go there, go there, go there. And then there's a a play for chess. There's only uh, like a square, so many cubes by so many cubes. And here's how you can maneuver. Boom, five minutes, coding, done. And then deep learning can actually learn how to play the chess I learn how to man, how to maneuver within the system, within the algorithm, and then they can come up with steps, and they can see the logical connection between each step, and then they're able to be the best human chess player ever, right? And all uh, all of that come from a five-minute coding session that teach the AI how to play chess, go chess, right? I can think about another example. So this example is about you know um, composing, right? So the I think this one is, is actually being done in China, where you actually have an AI that if you feed them the entire collection of Beatles or Beethoven or Bach or you know um, Drake, <laughs> right? So. If you give them enough sample, and then the composing AI will compose new music that sounds like Beatles, that sounds like Beethoven, that sounds like Mozart, that sounds like Drake, right? So we're so what we're dealing with is not really a finite kind of technology that doesn't change that much. I mean, ATM machine like, it does change it. I'm sure that. The ATM machine that people used back in the 80s are probably so much worse than the ATM machine that we have right now. But my point is the ability to reinvent themselves. The ability to come up with things and see logical connection. that see possible steps by themselves. Or so much superior than what humans can do. That part will display more jobs because, you know, most people, they don't go to ATM just to, you know, deposit money. Most people that, you know, go to a bank teller, they need to do some paperwork, they need to meet with the advisor, they need to, um, you know, hand in cash. They want to make sure that everything goes right. An ATM cannot fully replace a human yet, but when you have something, a deep like a deep learning AI it probably can replace more more jobs and more human function in that regard, right? And then Andrew Yang thinks that we're in the fourth industrial revolution that's led by AI. So we gotta be ready to counter the job displacement. And the number one thing for people to have a safety net is UBI. Right, so that's his argument, and I kind of want to dive into a little bit of the history of UBI, kind of give you guys more perspective. Right, so first of all, the UBI is not a brand new idea. Um, it was brought into Congress, you know, um, back in early nineteen seventies. It almost passed in nineteen seventy one, you know, as a leg- as a legislation. Uh, you know, Martin Luther, Luther King, Dr. King actually approved of it. Now, fast forward to 1981, um, in the state of Alaska, um, the governor, the governor back then, they were just starting doing their oil business, and then um, the governor is like, yeah, so do the people of Alaska want to you know have money backflow to their own pocket or do they want to trust their governor or the head of the oil, oil company to you know figure out a use for that giant amount of oil money right and then you know the, the people voted for him and they wanted to get the money them them you know for themselves for themselves for the usage and then they start getting UBI after 1981. So it has been over 30 years that people are getting UBI in the state of Alaska. And, and then, you know, people love it, right? Like people will want to pay more taxes to even get more UBI because, you know, the actual amount of income will actually help them with their daily life, with their daily routine, and then help them to, be, to become more, more of a safety net in, in that regard, right? And the last thing I want to touch on UBI before you know I dive in too deep of it is that Andrew Yang be, believed that the reason that Trump won in 2016 is because we have already automated 4 million manufacturer jobs in the heart of America. We're talking Michigan, we're talking Detroit, we're talking all of those uh, states that flipped to vote for Trump. And uh, we have been doing that now for the last 5 years or 10 years, for the last 20 years. So we have seen a trend that has been going on for the last decades. And this is the sign of people having enough of it. Right? This is a sign of people actually saying, hey, I don't want this anymore. So that's why in a nutshell, I personally believe that the election of Trump is kind of a sign of over correction. People are so desperate that they wouldn't mind electing the like a like a lunatic that, you know maybe they will risk having a bad change. but the thing is is that they would rather have anybody else besides a poli- like a politician, right? which I think, that's why, you know, Andrew Yang has been picking up steam. where I'm recording this early October. Um, it's because he doesn't sound like a, you know, poli- like a poli- a poli- politician. Andrew Yang doesn't sound like a, poli- a pol- politician at all, right? Like he just thinks out of the box and I think most people like about him, right? And that's why I think, you know, there's really some possibility that he might be, be, he might become the president, maybe, if, if everything goes his way, but it is still a pretty a slim chance chance right now. Um, so yeah, I just want to give a quick um, intro on the UBI. I know I, I have been teasing it for like a little bit, you know, um, from the previous episode. So um, I'm going to dive into more of the UBI in terms of more, t- more particular situation next And uh, you guys can stay tuned And please give us five stars On Apple Podcasts You know uh, uh, Spotify and other apps And I'll talk with you guys later Bye you know I hate-